This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Doesn't seem like the world. It doesn't seem like you don't have any idea how to find truth. How your neighbors are looking at things completely differently than you are, and they're ready to go to battle over it. How does that happen? I have a telegram from the Marconi International Marine Communication Company. Its date was April 15th, 1912. First one, it was sent at 7.50 a.m. Eastern Time to the Olympic. That was the ship that was the sister of the Titanic that was steaming towards London as the Titanic was steaming towards New York. It had turned around in the middle of the night went back trying to find any survivors of the Titanic. This telegram said, Captain Asian, can you give any information, Titanic, and if any ships stand by her? There was nobody that was standing by the Titanic. And we know the story that all of the gallant men and women got onto the Titanic And they, of course, the men stood back and let the women and children into the lifeboats. And that's true. And one of the episodes, we're going to have to share some, just do one on the Titanic, so we have some great things in the vault. But today is about finding truth. And even that little story about the Titanic, making sure that women and children got on the lifeboats first, is not true. And I know because of this telegram. This telegram was sent at 4.49 Eastern from the Olympic to Franklin Ismay, New York. Ismay is the last name of the director and the chairman of the White Star Line. He was on the Titanic, Mr. Ismay. This was sent to a relative in New York. Inexpressible sorrow proceeding straight on voyage, Carpathia. That's one of the boats that picked up the survivors. She informs me no hope in searching. Uh, Send names of survivors as obtainable. Then this one last line. Yamsi on Carpathia. Well, if you search the records for a Yamsi, you'll find that 
there was no passenger named Yamsi. However, if you take the word Yamsi and you reverse the letters, it's Ismay. There was a man that said, I have to go first. He was the chairman of the board of the White Star Line. He made it. But they didn't want the truth to come out. And so they gave a coded name. How do you find the truth when there is so much effort in disguising it? How did our founders find the truth? And while our founders found the truth, at the exact same time on the other side of the globe, the French were believing lies with the French Revolution. Lincoln and the Civil War. At the, at the same exact time, we were finding truth over in Europe. The greatest lie, perhaps, of the last 300 years was beginning to take root. World War II. While we were struggling with the truth, the rest of the world was lost to darkness. Japan, Russia, Germany, France, Poland, everything lost in a lie. How did we hold on to the truth? And maybe more importantly, you notice every time that there is something big happening around the globe, America is struggling at the same time. Are those two connected? And how is it that America seemed to have found her way to the truth each of those times? And if the world goes into darkness this time, does that guarantee us or promise us that we'll find the truth this time? Tonight on The Vault. On one of the episodes, I'm going to show you what we have in The Vault with um, the edits on the truth about George Washington and how um, you get farther and farther away from the man, the more the people think they know who he was. This is The Last Men of the Revolution. Um, this was a book written, and I, I don't have to tell you any more than just this, on page four. The present is the last generation that will be connected by a living link with the great period in which our national independence was achieved. Our own are the last eyes that will look on men who looked on Washington. Our ears will be the last that will hear the living voices of those who heard his words. The importance of reading the eyewitnesses instead of the people who are giving you gobbledygook in universities, the people who think they know better than the people who actually saw it and heard it. How do you find the truth? It's basically what, com what common sense was about with Thomas Paine. This is a, 
a copy of Thomas Paine's Common Sense. This was so popular, 75% of everybody, everybody in America, 75% had read Common Sense by the time we hit the American Revolution. It is this pamphlet that um, gave us the Declaration of Independence that make people say, yeah, that makes sense. That's common sense. And this is why we said what's happening in our country is wrong. And we want to be British. But the king keeps pushing us down. We should be free. Because there are a few things that we find self-evident. That all men are created equal. Thomas Paine knew the truth. And he wove it in such a fashion that people could understand it, they could digest it, they could read it, they could stand and say, that makes sense. That's right. That's what we should do. This came out and gave us the Declaration of Independence in the summer of 1776. But by the winter of 1776, nobody wanted to actually do anything about that common sense anymore. Now everybody was like, whoa, 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 I didn't know we were actually going to have to go to battle for all of this. Yeah, you're taking on Great Britain. Yeah, we're going to have to go to battle. And nobody wanted to be a part of it anymore. Uh, Paine called them the Sunshine Patriots, the people who... The people who were in the summertime when times were good and everybody was warm and fat and sassy. Oh, everybody wanted to be a part of it. But now when it's winter, now when it starts to get trouble, now that the work is actually hard, now nobody wants to come. If it wasn't for Thomas Paine, we would not have the Declaration of Independence, I contend. If it wasn't for Thomas Paine, we also wouldn't have had George Washington cross the Delaware. But if it wasn't for Thomas Paine, we also wouldn't have the example of how to find the truth. I'll get to that in a second. Obviously not a drum like this. This one's for, from probably 1950 or, or slightly earlier. But on the head of a drum, Thomas Paine wrote uh, The American Crisis. And we all know the words of The American Crisis, I think. Um, but we may not know the story. Thomas Paine was marching in the mud, and Washington had lost every single battle from July 4th all the way to Christmas Eve. We had lost everything. We had lost the entire uh, Northeast, all the way from Maine to Pennsylvania. And our people in Congress in Philadelphia were running like little girls. And they were afraid the king was going to get them. And Washington was going south. He had crossed the Delaware going south. He was now on the Pennsylvania side. And somewhere was Thomas Paine. And he was hearing the march and the drum. And words kept going through his head. These are the times that try men's soul. He asked the drummer, could I have the head of your drum? Because he didn't have any paper. And he wrote these words on the head of a drum. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he who stands by it now deserves the love and the thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. 
Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. That which we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Boy, isn't that true? It is dearness only that gives everything its value. He rolled up the head of the drum and he gave it to a writer and said, get this printed and get it to George Washington. And he did get it to George Washington. And George Washington, when he read it, he wept. And that is what got the men into the boats to be able to go across the Delaware where we had our first victory on Christmas Eve, 1776. Now here's the other thing that happened with Thomas Paine. And it's really fascinating because they're both patriots and both of them knew the truth. They both knew the American Revolution was special and needed to happen and was right. He knew that some things are self-evident. But Thomas Paine also was probably the weakest in his faith. He later um, became America's first famous atheist. He didn't believe in God. In fact, Ben Franklin chewed him out. Ben Franklin was like a dad to him. And um, when he when he wrote his um, book on uh, his faith and atheism, uh, Ben Franklin said, how dare you? How dare you? You were there. You saw not the finger. You saw the whole hand of God save us. How could you possibly say that? And beside, you can deny God, but it is God-fearing people who gave you the right to say there is no God. So we all kind of need each other, Thomas. The episode, remember, is how do you find truth? And what was happening here at that time was also happening on the other side of the planet. There was another revolution. And this revolution was the French Revolution. These are really old etchings uh, of the French Revolution. And this is, um, uh, this is the storming of the Bastille, which the Bastille is the big prison, or was the big prison, um, over in, in England. Here is the beheading of King Louis. Here you see him up, and they're about to ready to, to behead him in front of the palace. This one is important, not for what it is, but for what it reminds me of. The, Ameri- or the French Revolution um, desecrated churches a great deal, but churches had been made into an arm of the government, so churches weren't really even churches. And the desire of the people for vengeance and blood and to overturn everything that had been jammed down their throat took place in the churches. They did everything they could to those churches to desecrate them. Um, The Church of Notre Dame, um, they had uh, sacrifices and um, uh, orgies and sex on the altar 
of the Church of Notre Dame. It had become ugly in France. What happened with Thomas Paine and George Washington? Good friends. George Washington needed him. After we declared our independence, Thomas Paine later would write this book about um, George Washington. And in it, basically, he says, how dare you, how dare you uh, reject the French? Out of all the people that understood revolution, out of all the people who should thank the French, you, George Washington, you should be the one that knows you should be over here by the Bastille helping the French. Instead, you do nothing for them. How dare you? He had an argument with George Washington, and he said, I'm, I'm going to France. And George Washington said, it's not the same revolution, my friend. He said, yes, it is. Freedom is freedom. George Washington said, it is not, and you will find that out, and I will not save you. He did find that out. What Thomas Paine didn't understand was this book. This is, this is I, I've asked expert after expert if they've ever heard of this book. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's um, a book that was over in France at the time of the American Revolution, and then somebody went and they took it and they copied it because they thought it was so important. They copied it for the British, so the British could see what was happening right across the um, channel. And I just want to give you a little bit of it. Um, let it be so. Enjoy the moments which heaven in forbearance grants you. Drink deep the cup of iniquity. Intoxicate yourself with the poison of destructive flatterers. Till the citizens urged in that general distrust which open and shameless, uh, shamelessness creates conceive no security but in the destruction of one another. Till the people, discovering nothing respectable in the rich and the great, insult and molest and despoil them and their possessions. While we were saying, we find these truths to be self-evident, they were saying, molest, rape, steal, and kill. Both had a reason to be angry. But only one chose the path of anger. And what is fascinating to me is one led to greater despotism, the French with Napoleon. And ours ended with the miracle of the American experiment happening at exactly the same time, under the same colors of the banner, red, white, and blue. Even Thomas Paine was there defending the French writing pamphlets for the French. But he ended up in the Bastille, along with Robespierre, the George Washington, if you will, of the French Revolution. Robespierre was finally found out to be the murderer that he was. He was also a coward. He, as they came to arrest him, he jumped out the window and broke his legs. 
then he put a gun in his mouth. Instead of being taken and tried to shoot a hole in his head, he missed and blew his jaw off. They bandaged him up and put him in the same cell at the Bastille that Marie Antoinette was in, and then they killed him. What was the difference? Why did Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine miss the truth, and what can we learn from it? I bought this card at auction for the library, and it rarely comes out of the vault. Really rare. And I bought it because when you think of the African-American plight and racism, you automatically would think that the monkey in this, they're making fun of the African-American. 500,000 more. That's a heap of trouble on the old man's mind. This is to whom it may concern. This was a pass-along card, if you will. The monkey is a baboon, and it represents this guy, Abraham Lincoln. 500,000 more. These were handed out up in the north, saying he's going to get another 500,000 men killed because of this. He thinks that people shouldn't be wearing these. You remember, um, I, think it's, I think it's Bing Crosby that does a song where it's Courier and Ives, and he sings in a Christmas song, Courier and Ives, somewhere like that. You have Christmas cards with Courier and Ives. You always think of the beautiful snowy scenes. You never really think of racism with Courier and Ives. They try to bury these. These are both Courier and Ives. And... Um, Our next Republican candidate, the heir to the throne, our next Republican candidate. These were showing that the Republicans someday will elect a black man to office as the president. Mocking the idea. Courier and Ives. Mocking the idea of Abe Lincoln splitting the party and... um, a split convention, the rail candidate riding the rails and being carried into office by the black man. Abraham Lincoln knew the truth. We lost every single battle halfway through the war. Everything. We kept losing and losing and losing. And everybody was using the same Bible to say God is for our side. And then halfway through, Abraham Lincoln asked the nation of the North to a day of fasting, prayer, and humiliation. And after that, We won every single battle but one. 
But this is just about how to find the truth. Because half the nation said we should keep people in chains. The other half said they should be free. It was... It was good people, mainly church people, mainly northern people, but not all northern people, that said they should be free. How did they know the truth? And while we were fighting this battle, there was another battle on the other side. This time not in France, this time in Germany. But it was about to spread to France, and it was about to um, engulf all of Europe. This time it started in Germany, and it started with the idea That, that man was really property. And the state should be able to own all property and really pretty much own and control all people. That we really were just cogs. There's not much difference between what we were trying to eradicate on this hemisphere and what Karl Marx decided to print At the exact same time in Germany, the Communist Manifesto. Do you know that the, the painting George Washington cross, crossing the Delaware, the original, um, was burned in World War II when it was bombed, the museum? When it was bombed in the museum and it was bombed by the British and the Americans? and the museum was in Berlin. That one makes my head hurt every time I think of it. Wait a minute. How did that painting get over in the museums in Germany? Easy. It was painted by a German, not for America. It was painted by a German for the Germans about 1850, 1852, 18, in the 1850s or 60s, I can't remember off the top of my head, I don't have it in the vault. The one that we have in the um, Metropolitan Museum of Art is actually a copy. It was the idea that, no, don't go that way. Don't go towards Karl Marx. Go towards George Washington. Go towards the American experiment. But at the same time that we were trying to set people free, people were starting to be enslaved yet again with a new form of slavery called Communism. Communism started to sweep, and the people didn't know yet again all over Europe how to find the truth. We did. We lost. We lost a lot of people in the Civil War. I can't imagine what it was like to see the number of dead in your own hometown in the battlefields as the ravens picked the bones of the dead. But on the other hemisphere, they were fighting in the Paris riots and everything else to enslave people. What happened? How did this guy know it was wrong? 
And yet so many were flocking to the same idea to enslave people in a completely different way. How do you find the truth? Let's go to World War II. Same question. This time in this 200-year journey, the world writes itself a bit. And this time after the Civil War, Karl Marx begins to infect Germany. And um, it's not just Karl Marx, it's Charles Darwin, the idea of evolution. We come from monkeys. Nietzsche, there is no God. God is dead. Nihilism comes up. And it begins to uh, mix together in a, in a brew that is deadly. And at the same time, the cities are starting to all fall apart um, because we have the Industrial Revolution and things are changing and people are afraid and corruption is starting to happen all over the world. And this new idea of socialism and being able to have science, we're in a new world, a scientific world, and for science to take care of some of these problems. For instance, the insane, the inebriates, there is no Alcoholics Anonymous. There's no way to stop insanity. There's no, um, there's, there's no medicine for it at that time. What can we do? Is there a scientific way? Well, the Californians have an idea. Here's a case for, for and against sexual sterilization. Sterilization, the California experiment... Far, the far largest experience of sterilization in practice is that of California. The state law passed in 1909 is compulsory in form, but voluntary in operation for the patient or the patient's relatives being asked before the operation is attended. Uh, is attended. It goes on to say 5,000 persons have now been sterilized in California. Three-fifths of the total men and four-fifths of, uh, of that total, 4,000 of them, are insane. So the state sterilized them. Through science, we can have better living. We can get rid of some of these problems. So now, the, the disease of, that had infected the better part of the world starts to come across the ocean, and we bring it over happily, and it begins to infect us. But somehow or another... We don't lose our way in World War II. We almost lose our way. The progressives, the communists, the socialists, they are deeply entrenched. We, we, we aren't fighting Germany to save the Jews. In fact, John F. Kennedy's father was over in England, and he didn't have a problem with it. And he said the Jews brought it on themselves. That was a very popular theory in America. We have pictures in the vault of, of the, the big rallies in New York. The big rallies in New York for uh, the Nazis. And the rallies in Madison Square Garden with the Nazis. Standing next to big flags of George Washington. It's crazy. We were infected. Somehow or another, though, we survived. So did England. This is from England. This isn't German. Keep out the Jews in England. This is a banner uh, from Mussolini's Italy. They fell just as well. They just fell for a, a kinder, gentler 
fascism. Mussolini, we tried to buy for the museum, and I, I, I hope that it was actually a, 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 an Italian museum that picked it up. But I tried to buy Mussolini's ceremonial sword. It was given to him by the black shirts, and he said that was the turning point in his life. What was engraved on that sword, he knew that was true. How do you find the truth? He found it on a sword, and it was etched on the sword. It said, it is not with words that one maintains government. It's on a sword. It's with the sword that one maintains government. Completely a foreign idea to people in America who hold things to be self-evident. Two things in this book. This, again, Better Living Through Science. This is from Joseph Mengele. Uh, This is uh, permission for the acquisition of poison. Uh, Here's Mengele's signature here. This is for luminol. And he's, he's ordering a huge amount of luminol. This is for the children's hospital. You know, for all of those children that won't have any real quality of life. This is the last prescription he made before he went to Auschwitz to do his famous experiments and kill people of all ages. Here he was killing children. So what stopped all of this? And what happened to America? Where were we in America? Well, this was a dangerous person that needed to be put into a concentration camp in Germany. You've heard about the pink triangles or the um, yellow stars. What is a purple triangle? These were for religious crimes. And that could be you were a Jehovah Witness or a Bible scholar. Bonhoeffer wore a purple triangle. It was somebody that believed in God in a different way than the state did. The state recommended that you get rid of the Old Testament and you just have not the Old and the New Testament, the New Testament. The Old Testament is irrelevant, and it was written by Jews, you know. And Jesus, well, he was a Christian, not a Jew. And here in America, we were losing our way. But this, I think, is really incredible. It's a man's search for truth, a man of science and a man of government. You can see, this is a signed first edition copy of this book from Albert Einstein to Henry Morgenthau. Henry Morgenthau was the Secretary of the Treasury. He's the guy who was the Secretary of Treasury during the Great Depression, um, and the guy who in 1937 or 38 came out and said in front of Congress, this new deal is not working. We should scrap this. But he was also the guy that had a falling out with um, FDR because he said, we've got to stop the concentration camps. We've got to save the Jews. He was Jewish. Nobody was really listening to him. This book, by the way, leads us to the final answer. But before we go there, I want to take you to the chalkboard 
because how do you find the truth? What do all of these events on both sides of the globe have in common? Is there a pattern? Yes, there is. This is an amazing treasure from the vault. This is um, your daily book of prayers. And you can see it's just never been used. It's just never been opened. There's not a mark in it. There's not a dog ear or anything else. This is King Louis' book of prayer. This is the book he was supposed to be using every single day when he got down on his knees and prayed. He was beheaded. French Revolution. He was a scam. He wasn't a praying man, and neither was Robespierre. That's what George Washington knew. I'm going to quote Thomas Paine. Let them call me a rebel and welcome. I feel no concern from it, but I should suffer the misery of devils were I to make a whore of my soul. This quote is actually found in this man's book. This is the book plate of Saul Alinsky. This is Rules for Radicals. Wait a minute, he's quoting Thomas Paine? Yes, he also says this, Saul Alinsky does, Lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all of our legends, mythology, and history. And who is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins and which is which? Lest not forget the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that at least he won his own kingdom. Lucifer. This is America's holy scriptures now. And everybody seems to be working from this. We've become more like Louis. As we hand as we march into the we generation, the way to find the truth is to know the eternal truths. And they've been around for thousands of years. It's when the eternal truths are forgotten that we lose everything. I got this picture and I hung it in my house for the longest time. And we hung it by our door in our kitchen because it's the family I want my kids, my family to be like. I'd like to be like him, even though everybody wants to be more like her. I want to be him because he raised her. That's Corey Tenboom. She learned it from her dad. Who will you be as we enter these times. So how do we find the truth? How did the founders find the truth? Yet at the same time, the French found death and blood. What about Lincoln? We're freeing while in Europe, they're enslaving. And World War II, America, Germany, Italy, 
Russia, Japan. How, how did we stay out of all of that? And is there a pattern here? Yes. I read a book, and we've talked about it on TV and radio before. And I, man, I so want you to read this book. It's called Pendulum because it explains why I am doing so much of what I'm doing. And it explains even some of the things that we will show on this and many other shows. Why people are villains at the time and yet they're remembered years later as heroes. Uh, And you'll find your place. You will find your place and your way if you understand this concept. It's pendulum theory. And I've talked about the pendulum theory for a long time. I talked about it on Fox. And let me just show you what happened between 1963, 1983, and then today. In, in 1963, the pendulum was swinging from a we generation. The we generation, we clearly know, was in, um, in um, World War II. World War II, those guys were the greatest generation, and they, they gathered together, and they fought. By 1963, we started entering this me generation of free love, free sex, whatever is free, and it kept going and going, and its apex was 1983. There are no death camps in 1983, 1963, but in 1943, there's lots of death camps in the web, in the West. 1983 is the apex. Ronald Reagan, tear down this wall. And then that pendulum starts to swing back. It's 20 years up and 20 years down. And in 2003, we hit the center. This time period always is good. It's only the edges that are trouble. In 2003, we start to hit here. And we hit the apex of the we at 2023. It's 20 years up, and we're about here. This is the worst possible time. The French Revolution and the American Revolution happened at this time. The Civil War and the um, writing of the Communist Manifesto and Nietzsche and everything else happened in the we generation. Communism and the collective always is in the we generation. It is also really important to understand that this, whatever the leader is at the time where he is, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And he still had enough underpinnings of what made America great and still had enough reverence for God that he, yes, He started to be affected by this horrible idea that came out of Germany, this communist, socialist, fascist idea. Remember, in the 19-teens and 20s, as we were starting to move up towards the we generation, we started getting into this collective. And at the apex of it, we have um, the biggest government we've ever had up until that time. But everybody else had Mussolini. We then came back, 63, 83, 2003, we're here. In 2023, 
is the worst of the we generation. Everything you've ever learned about the me generation being bad versus the we generation, read the book. It's the we generation that leads to mass death. <sighs> Who's going to lead us? I contend if we're going to survive, we better find out the leader in you and how you find the truth. We need to find the truth on what time it is, what has happened before at times like this, who we are going to be. And that leads me to the Jefferson quote, question with boldness even the very existence of God, for if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questioning over blindfolded fear. Who will you be? Yes, it's happened before. Yes, I now know what time it is. But I still don't know how to find the truth. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.